Hello, patriots and other interested parties. I am Deep Cover Patriot, and the Republic stands. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021, and we are going to discuss the SITREP. I am not a lawyer, I am not a doctor, I am not a financial advisor. I do not call for or support unconstitutional, illegal acts of or planning for violence. Only by pursuing our rights under the Constitution do we have any hope of restoring the Republic. The regime is coming down on us like a hammer. I wish not to give them an excuse to speed up the process. The following is from The Reasons Why Leftists Will Never Successfully Disarm Americans by Brendan Smith, published on April 23rd in altmarket.us. Quote, Tyranny is enforced by men on the ground. My favorite mantra of gun grabbers is the claim that your AR-15 isn't going to help you against an Abrams tank or a Predator drone. These people don't understand how totalitarian systems function. In order to control a population, you have to have loyal troops on the ground, everywhere. Not only that, but you also need loyal civilians, a large percentage of the population, to act as your eyes and ears and sometimes brute force. And finally, you need anyone who might oppose you to be afraid to take action to defend themselves. You need them docile and passive. There are a lot of moving parts to tyranny, and tanks and planes are secondary to basic manpower. Furthermore, you don't need armored vehicles and stealth jets to fight tyranny. What you need is a good firearm to remove the people driving and flying those machines. A smart rep might even take those weapons for his own arsenal in the process. A lot of gun owners are also military veterans, and they've seen how things played out in places like Afghanistan, where all the military might in the world was ineffective against tribesmen with old AK-47s and roadside IEDs. It's about force of will, along with minimal necessary firearms. Guerrilla wars are not fought in terms of battles. They are fought in terms of attrition. Americans understand this better than most. For all these reasons and more, the gun-grabber ethos is essentially pointless. They can have total dominance in the federal government. They could have every state government on their side and pass hundreds of laws and executive orders making every gun owner a criminal, and it still would not matter. We will not budge. We would rather fight. Leftists and elitists just don't seem to get it. Maybe it's the way their brains work. Maybe they just can't comprehend the idea that some people will not compromise certain freedoms no matter the cost. They think everyone has a limit, that everyone has a price. They think anyone can be bought or that anyone can be leveraged into submission. The truth is, many of us cannot. Some of us have no price, and we cannot be compelled to comply. Wherever an oligarchy is seeking to disarm the population, this is a sure sign they are about to grasp for even more control, and they're afraid that the population might dethrone them. And, honestly, they should be afraid. Unquote. So that about says all there really is to say on the subject. So that very well-written piece rings very true. So, you know, friends, 
uh, more will be revealed, I'm sure. And I hope that the coming transitions and adjustments are peaceful and without violence and reprisal. That whatever happens as our society continues to undergo change, that whatever happens, it happens without violence and reprisal. So having said that twice for emphasis, let's go on. The phony baloney president, uh, Bribin, gave his, shall we say, recital. It's billed as a joint session of Congress, and then later they added that it was by invitation only. And looking at the cavernous house chambers with what looked to me to be probably no more than 50 people, and I'm being generous, I believe, the actual number, I don't know. I honestly don't care enough to look it up, and this is most likely the last time I'm ever going to speak on it because it is of such little consequence. However, that is why I'm doing so tonight. And uh, his speech had some content that was of particular interest in the real world, and that is why I opened with the uh, piece I just quoted from. Among other things, during his short but painful and traumatizingly incomprehensible speech, he did touch on a couple of topics that are of pertinent interest and most likely will be enacted. And one of those is a adjustment that's going to be made to Medicare. And I'm not going to even tell you how they're billing it because everything they say is a lie. All we need to know is that Medicare, or at least the trust that funds it, will most likely be plundered to help pay for the upwards of $2 trillion infrastructure bill that, according to Uncle Joe, somehow through improved highways, the earth will be saved from devastation due to climate change. So that gives you a flavor of what it was like to sit and listen to that nonsense. I do feel as though I have a couple of IQ points that I need to reclaim somewhere. He also did make mention of various gun control attempts that are going to be made. You can rest assured that in this effort, they will make it increasingly more and more difficult to obtain new firearms. So the 300 and something million odd firearms in private hands in this country to date will, for now, on paper, remain so. However, the emphasis is going to be on going after new gun sales and transfers. Having said that, it would behoove those of my listeners that might have Second Amendment preps to be cognizant of the coming legislation and to follow it closely. I once more would like to caution everybody on the vaccine injection, and especially those who would say, well, I know 
a hundred people that got the vaccine and nobody's gotten sick except a little bit and they're fine and nobody's died. So I think it's all conspiracy theory. I will give you that you know a hundred people that have been injected and I will accept on face value every point that you made. However, I will append that with my own cautionary interjection. The effects of the mRNA vaccine and the Johnson & Johnson injection is not based on an mRNA architecture, so it neither has the same structure nor mechanism for delivery of its payload, which is a antibody response to the onset of a coronavirus. And so we, it's AstraZeneca and Pfizer as the two primary providers of the vaccine. So those are the two companies that we're going to be considering. Henceforth, the word vaccine or jab or injection are referring specifically to those two brands. And before they try to sue me, everything in here in is rhetorical hyperbole. So screw you. Going forward. The onset of side effects immediately after the primary injection, that would be the first injection of the set of two, does most often result in soreness at the point of injection. This is common. This is common in most shots. Even people that have to self-inject for whatever reason, be it B12 or uh, insulin or something or other, there is going to be pain that is residual to the injection and it could last anywhere from a few seconds to a few minutes to a few days, depending on how you do it. If the person administering the injection is incompetent, then they will most likely go right through a flexed muscle. And when that happens, you are in intense pain for quite a while until those fibers reconnect and heal. So... Soreness at the site of injection as a side effect of the vaccine is not in itself cause for concern. Again, I will caution you, since I'm telling you this, I'm not reading it, that I am not a doctor and I am not a medical professional. This is just my own opinion based on observation and education. So, having said that, what you need to do is look a little bit more closely in order to determine whether or not there is any prima facie evidence for the culpability of the vaccine in adverse effects in the vaccinated person. So I am going to quote a little bit and comment on one of the most comprehensive and succinct articles that I have yet read on the vaccines and what they do, how they do it, and what to expect along with the general timeline. And I would caution that nothing is written in stone. Everything is subject to change or to adjustment based on circumstantial changes and adjustments. So the narrative remains the same. The ingredients may be altered here and there, 
And even the timing can be adjusted. But if you're baking a cake and you need to add a pinch of salt to the dry ingredients, as well as a dash of cream of tartar. If the recipe says a pinch of salt and then a dash of tartar, uh, cream of tartar, and you do it the other way around, you're going to get a cake either way. So you get the injection and based on your age and certain comorbidities that may be present, serious physical conditions that are chronic as opposed to acute. Uh, If you have a toothache, that's not going to be reason to be taken as a sign that you might have a primary infection. However, if you do have a primary infection, even if it's an internal condition that results in inflammation, for example, depending on the severity of the inflammation, could be considered and it actually is considered a comorbidity for the possibility of exacerbating the effects of a vaccine. So there are many variables that go into the equation. Your age has a lot to do with it. For some reason, younger people seem to be more susceptible to adverse reactions that are rather immediate as opposed to people, say, 30 to 60 or 70 that seem to have a high tolerance. Of course, then you get past the 70s and the likelihood of death as an immediate onset adverse event increases in likelihood. Now, this is the initial phase, which would be, say, the injection to a month or two later. Now, while you're fine for now, the message in the messenger mRNA is telling your cells to create spike proteins that look to your immune system like a coronavirus. Now, they lie dormant in your cells. Now, how quickly they replicate and how soon every cell in the body has one of these in it, I don't believe they know. Or if they have, they're definitely not saying. This is going to happen until you are exposed to a coronavirus, like the the flu, the seasonal flu, influenza, or SARS even, for that matter. When that happens, your body's immune system recognizes the spike protein as a threat and goes after it and continues going after it until it's destroyed, which is great. But then there's more because remember every cell in your body has one in it 
And so basically what happens is your immune system goes after those. And that is a very gruesome and painful death. And that will happen to a great many of people who have received either of the injections. Now, we know this because of the two studies that were undertaken on animals in the early 2000s. The first study on mice resulted in 50% of the mice dying just about immediately and within the next exposure to flu virus the rest of them died. In between there were quite a few adverse events that resulted in more long-term and painful deaths than did the relatively quick deaths. However, that was the result. So they stopped that. Now, it's interesting to note that no animal study went beyond 56 days. And that is presumably because the immediate goal was to prove mRNA vaccines could mount a good immune response with little acute adverse effects. Hence, we have no data in animal studies as to long-term effects of mRNA vaccines. mRNA vaccines are still considered experimental, and people receiving these vaccines are part of the experiment. Long-term data is currently being collected until 2022. The bottom line is, we don't know the long-term adverse effects. What can we learn from the animal studies? In a study entitled Immunization with SARS Coronavirus Vaccines, in 2012, the research for vaccine development of coronavirus was initiated in 2002 in response to the 2002 spread of SARS, which emerged in China, and the concern for reemergence of a deliberate release of the SARS coronavirus. Let me repeat that. And the concern for reemergence of a deliberate release of the SARS coronavirus. All the animals died from autoimmune lung disease after receiving the vaccine upon being challenged with the virus. Quote, in evaluations of an inactivated whole virus vaccine similar to customary vaccines in ferrets, non-human primates, and a virus-like particle in mice induced protection against infection, but challenged animals those administered vaccines exhibited an immunopathologic type lung disease. The conclusion was these SARS-CoV vaccines all induced antibody and protection against infection with SARS-CoV. However, challenge of mice given any of the vaccines led to occurrence of Th2 type immunopathology suggesting hypersensitivity to SARS-CoV components was induced. Caution in proceeding to application of a SARS-CoV vaccine in humans is indicated. The previous was from an article entitled, What Happened in the Animal Trials for mRNA Vaccines, published on April 8th of this year on RegenerativeMC.com. Now, what does that tell us and what do we learned overall? Well, it's not good but I suppose it's relative, depending on where you sit. If you have not received the injection, then your chances of survival in any case are upwards of 98 and something percent. If you have received the first of two, I would stop 
and pray and play the odds that you are in the group that would have minimal, if any, effects and go from there. And if you've received two injections, just carefully monitor your health from here on out. That's all I can say. Because what's going to happen when the next wave of COVID happens, which is coincidentally during a traditional flu season, so I would say coming up the spring flu season, which we are currently in, and a lull followed by a fall flu season. So in that construct, the alleged increase in COVID cases worldwide would make sense given the propensity of the traditional flu to reappear during about this time of year. Now, the following information I'm going to give you is going to be taken from a report published today by Stevie Ray Hansen in hnewswire.com called The Third Wave of Sickness and Death Will Be Dominated by Those Who Have Been Fully Vaccinated. Now, I'm going to intersperse my quotes with commentaries, so I encourage you to go and read this in its entirety for yourself to get the full context, as well as all of the links that are included within it. It's fascinating, and I encourage you to take the 10 or 15 minutes out of your time that it would take to go and do this. So, having said that, let's get into this. You will not find the words plagues and pestilence in the New Testament under any context other than the judgment of God. And if you look, overall, the context of those words in the Old Testament is also within the judgment of God. And the word pestilence is only used in the Olivet Discourse, and that as a sign of the times. So Luke 21.10, Nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in divers places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Unquote. And plagues is only used in the book of Revelation. Revelation 9, 11, 15, 16, 21, and 22. So, biblically, plagues and pestilences are judgments of God. And when genetic scientists decided to recklessly meddle with the human immune system, the aftermath of the first round of gene therapy jabs guaranteed only one thing, ongoing direct access to humans for an unending series of additional gene therapy shots. For those who died as a result, no apologies will be forthcoming. Unquote. So, folks, I'm telling you right now, those stories that you heard from your preacher or your Sunday school teacher or your grandparents or your mother or father or whoever it was that gave you any information about the Bible, what's in it and what to expect, if in fact they did, they were right. They were right. And we are here now, folks. You are in the mall, lost, staring at the wall map, trying to figure out how to get to the parking lot. And there's a star and it says, you are here. This is where we are. 
front row seats, end of days. Now, again, remember, timing is fluid. When the vaccinated people, or a great many of them, lose their lives as a result of the flu or other side effects that culminate in discorporation, the losses may be so great that the resultant contamination could be perilous. And we are promised plagues and pestilences. God did not say from whence they would come. Would they be man-made? Would they be natural? Would they be some kind of natural mutant virus or pestilence? He doesn't say. So what we do is look at the verses around it for context. We go back and forth to other books of the Bible that have similar concepts and do a little detective work. Of course, you always pray for discernment when you open a Bible. That's you just you have to do that. You do not read the Bible unless you pray for discernment. An unsaved person without the spirit of discernment will read a Bible and unfortunately all they really get out of it is a little emotion, maybe, a little history, maybe. Little poetry, little drama, a lot of drama, a few laughs, and a great story, or many great stories. And that's pretty much it. What they're not getting, and what Christians, well, Bible believing saved Christians with a spirit of discernment, what 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 we get out of it, we can't describe. There is a certain something. Okay, a je ne sais quoi that cannot be defined, described, or identified, other than to say that it's the same as saying when you hear the truth, you know it. And there's comfort in that, a great comfort. So folks, if you don't see masses of people dropping dead in the streets right now, it's not because nothing is happening. It's because it's nothing is happening to the people that you would see. That is to say, we have built over the past year an infrastructure unlike any other in the history of mankind that is suited to one end. All of the hospitals and test sites and logistical pipelines are going to be perfect to move bodies. Now, right now, I would wager and am looking into how many people are dying in managed care facilities, nursing homes and the like, where the death is being labeled as anything that could, one, show up in the list of adverse events events as reported on VAERS, or two, be a untimely, if not known, present chronic illness. In other words, causes of death that would traditionally, and I mean just a few months ago, have been identified as COVID deaths. I would say the number is rising steadily.
and those numbers are easy to obfuscate. However, given time, and as time goes on, and the next wave of the flu hits and spreads, you're going to see the numbers increase. And as I said, most of the people that die at the outset will have comorbidities that are the symptoms of which are exacerbated by the onset of the virus. But only because the administration of the vaccine so weakened and confused their immune system that it wasn't primed for protecting them. That being said, the same thing is going to happen down the line as people get younger and younger, and the numbers are going to exponentially increase. They'll slow. It's an upside-down bell. Uh, they will slow, and when that happens, they will pick up again the next flu season. So you're going to see a lull, actually, during the summer. And that will pick up again at the end of summer, the beginning of fall, whenever the next flu season hits. Now, I'm not just sitting here making this up as I go along. What I'm giving you is the compilation of the prognostications of many people, including doctors, Bakhti and Tenpenny and Merritt and a host of others who are all imploring people to think twice about the jab. Well, having said that, let's look at the numbers. Who has been injected? In the United States, they tell us upwards of 110 million people have been injected. And they have the means to complete the job for the vast majority of Americans. Even to the extent that they are offering monetary remuneration as an incentive to present yourself for injection and other incentives that they believe would inspire people to show up at their nearest vaccination center conveniently located near the customer service desk at all the major grocery stores and take care of it. So if the government tells us that 110 million people have been vaccinated and you look at the actual vaccination centers and over time the numbers of people that you see showing up a great many of them are empty to the extent that this week in the news it has been reported that the deep state via the mainstream media is complaining about how demand for the vaccine is falling and they have to drum up interest because they need to get more people injected my take on that is they have probably given the poison jab to, let's say, 60 or 70 million people. I'm being generous there. But there's no way in hell that they injected that many people. There isn't. If they had injected 110 million, it would be 150 million that they injected, and so on and so forth. Actually, the numbers increase in direct inverse proportion to the numbers of people that show up at any protest. But I digress. Folks, I hope and I pray that you have a great weekend. You need to take time to do the things that make you happy. Hopefully, with the people that you enjoy spending time with. The family should be spending their time in prayer and activities that involve all members of the family. But it's going to play mini golf or go hiking or in a picnic or whatever it is that's so important right now. 
Likewise, people need to check on each other and make sure that you're okay. Our friends, after all, are an extension of our families. And it just makes sense that we all look out for each other. Even those of us that may have differences but are otherwise good need to bury the hatchet and bring in the wagons. So tell your family that you love them and your friends. Tell them how much you care about them, how much they mean to you. And may God bless you. And may God bless your family and your loved ones and your friends. And we pray in Jesus' name that God do something about what is happening to this beloved republic. And no matter what, protect those of us saved and give us the strength to endure what is coming. In Jesus' name, amen.